It's called Take It All. So take it away. Welcome, everyone. This is another episode of That Record Got Me High. As always, I'm your host, Rob Elba. And as always, it's wonderful having you all with me. I'm not going to lie. I have a guest here. You know, I have guests on, and I, all my guests are great, obviously. But sometimes I have guests on of people that I've known a really long time, people I've admired. And then I get them. I say, why haven't they been on the show yet? And now we have someone here with me right now. He's the founder of the legendary Yesterday and Today Records in Miami. If you grew up in Miami and you were into music, you knew Yesterday and Today Records and you knew this man. He now runs YNT Music, which is a label, uh, YNT Music. And he's been a lover of music and a advocate for musicians ever since I've known him, and I'm sure even before that. I'm really happy to welcome the show, Rich Uloa. Welcome to the show, Rich. Thank you, Rob. It's so cool to be here. I'm a fan of your show. I think it's fantastic what you're <laughs> well, doing. Well, you're a fan. This is the one thing, Rich. You're Now, you know, we've, we've known each other 30 plus years. Yes. Over 30 years. Were you ever a musician at all? Well, in high school, I used to bring my guitar to school every single day. Oh, did you? Yeah, okay. I went to Miami High, and I learned how to play guitar in 11th grade. I took a class. Okay. And uh, I loved playing, but I sucked. I First of all... <laughs> I can't carry a tune. Okay. <laughs> and I, my sense, you know, I, I, I was okay with the guitar. We played a lot of songs, you know, Neil Young, Stones, Beatles, Dylan songs, oh, okay. Credence, okay. you know. But you don't, but, so you, but you wouldn't call yourself a musician. No, not at all. And I stopped playing around 74, 75. Okay. All right. But that, I still have a guitar and every once in a while I bring it out and play some of the old yeah, tunes. B- because you love music. Absolutely. But see, that's the thing. I always, in doing this show over the years, I've come up with this, uh, with this idea and with this theory that the the real music fans, people that really love music and and they love it, are non musicians because usually musicians you like they see too they see behind the curtain a little too much and they're thinking about oh how was that done and what is that and they're thinking too much about it whereas a pure music lover just gets lost in the music and just loves it. And to me, it's like more pure almost. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. Right? I can relate to that. Although I will give you, there's one exception. Elvis Costello, who's one of the greatest musicians of our generation. He is a musicologist like no other. I mean, is he, he really? Oh, okay. yeah. No, well, I'm sure. But still, I w- I'm just going to, I don't even know Elvis Costello. I'm going to say you love music more than Elvis there Costello. There you go. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. I'm just going to say it. 
I'm going to just say it, but I don't know. Who knows if it's true? But you are, obviously, like I said, you're an advocate for music, and you're still, to this day, you're putting out music on uh, YNT Music, which is uh, YT Music Online is the website, right? Well, we're launching a brand new website. Oh, okay. Uh, this weekend, in fact. Really? Uh, yeah. All right. So it, it will so be, be ytmusiconline.com. There you go. Okay. And look, I hope to launch it on Saturday, Friday or Saturday. Awesome. Okay. YT Music Online. All right. So what's going on with YT Music? What's, uh, well, what's I, let's see. Um... I'll backtrack a little bit. I mean, I started the label back in 91, as you probably remember, to, to put out the first Mavericks record. Yes. This broken heart will never love again because I, I don't want it to. And over the years, you know, from like 91 to about 2000, I guess we put out about 12, 15 records you know, for an artist. Mary Carls and Four Squirrels and Amanda Green, Arlen, Phyllis. Oh, right. So you, you did put out Four Squirrels. You, you released Four Squirrels yeah, their before first they got signed. E yes, we put out. They did an independent record on their own. And I took five songs from that, and we released it on Y&T as a promotional okay. item. Right. And, uh, and that sells for on, on Discogs or eBay, like 75 bucks now. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, Mavericks, yeah. You, yeah, you Mavericks. Mavericks. And now they're, they're doing so great. Of course. But I took a kind of a little hi hiatus uh, for a few years there, but we relaunched the label back in 2017 when uh, my longtime friend Jim Worcester approached me about, you know, maybe partnering with me to relaunch the label, which we did in 2017. And our first major re release was the Fred Neal tribute. And, uh, and then we added a third partner, Donald Sarley, and we've been busier than ever. You know, we've put out more records in the last four years than we did in the first 25. Right, right. You know, and our latest record, really proud of it. It's, a, it's a Jim Worcester's dream project. We did this tribute to Eric Anderson. He's like a 60s, 70s iconic folk artist. He's one of these artists who's well-respected by his peers. Maybe he isn't a household name, but, you know, I mean... So many people have covered his songs. Started out in the village with Dylan and Fred Neal and Richie Havens. Oh, okay. Nice. And we just did a tribute to him. It was Jim Worcester's idea. Three, 42 different artists. Oh, wow. Doing songs by Eric Anderson. And it took us two years to put together. And it just got released last month. And the, to, the most exciting part of the tribute is we got a Bob Dylan track. Bob Dylan covered one of Eric's songs in 1971. And it was released on the Bob Dylan bootleg series. Right. And we got an alternative mix, a remix. That, really? Yes. It was wow. done by Steve Adabo, and Bob Dylan's manager uh, green-lighted it and gave us a license. Look at you. Look at Favorite Nations team. Clause. It was great. Oh, that's awesome. And we I have a Bob Dylan track that you can't get anywhere else in the world. That's Nowhere. Awesome. And, so, I mean, I couldn't believe it. Like, 30 years ago, if you would have told me that we would have a Bob Dylan track on a Y&T CD right. that you can't get anywhere else, I would have, like, said, you're crazy. That's great. But that's our latest re re record. Right. And, and you have, uh, speaking of tribute records, there's another tribute record that ties into what we're talking about tonight. Yes. So, well, we can talk about that later, but let's talk about, uh, finally, let's say, what, what are we talking about? Right, tonight. I say tonight. It's the afternoon and we're both well, drinking coffee, but... Uh, I'll... I'll, I'll uh, I'll tell you a little story. I, when I was having lunch with Jim Worcester and Don Sarley about f three years ago, and I asked right before COVID, right before the pandemic hit. So I asked Jim, I said, Jim, what would be your dream project to do on YNT? And he said, I'd love to do an Eric Anderson tribute. And I looked at him, I go, let's do it. <laughs> 
So it started there, and then he asked me what mine was, and I said, I'd love to do a tribute to Pete Ham. Ah, uh, okay. That's my dream project. Right. And from that, and at that moment, we started the ball rolling, and it's been a slow process, like any tribute, especially when you have multiple artists. Right. And um, that was my dream project, and I'm happy to say it's finished, mastered. We have 34 different artists doing Pete Ham songs. Yeah. And, and I couldn't be more proud of it. It's really, it's coming out on my birthday, January 20th of next year. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah, and I have, maybe maybe Richard will let me play little snippets of a couple things. I actually have, he just, he, he, he gave me a file. I haven't even gotten to listen to it or anything. I just have it here, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll talk we'll about see. that. Um, all right, so uh, obviously, uh, well, obviously, maybe for some people, maybe not. Pete Ham from the band Badfinger. Badfinger, and the album that we're talking about, Straight Up, Straight Up, which is their fourth. I, I, all right, so I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come clean. Uh, even though I am younger, Rich is older than much older than me. much older. <laughs> he isn't. <laughs> he isn't that much older than me. But uh, for some reason, although I'm sure I'm not the only one. Badfinger kind of passed me by, and I'm sure a lot of people, because they have just like a really tragic band story, right? Yes, they do. So they, these guys were doing records in the late 60s? They were discovered by Mal Evans, who brought them to John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Okay. And the Beatles signed them to Apple Records, and they were called the Ivies at right, the, the time. Ivies, that's it. Yeah, okay. And Tony Visconti produced the record, um, and it was, it was a pretty cool record, but, you know, it wasn't a great record. And then... Um, Later on, they changed their name to Badfinger when Paul wrote Come and Get It, and that was 1970. That's the first exposure I ever had to Badfinger. Right. So, so that was from the album Magic Christian Music, which took some songs from the Ivies and were remixed oh, okay, with, a, okay, with okay. like three or four new songs. So I count that Magic Christian Music as the first official Badfinger record. Right. You know, and then of course No Dice was a tremendous uh, step up in songwriting and production, and then straight up to me is their third studio album. Okay. All right. So you were a fan and you were a, a Beatles fan. I'm assuming. Yes. Right? Fanatic. <laughs> yeah. Beatles All right. Fanatic. So were you a fan because the Beatles, Oh, you heard all oh, the Beatles have this label. They have their own label and they're doing a band. Was that kind of the first? Yeah, thing it was that... part of it. Uh, it was summer of 70. The Beatles had just broken up, you know, and I mean, I was, I'm old enough to where I saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show three, three weeks in a row, Nice. you know, and, yeah. and loved everything they ever did. And um, I actually, started my record store as an offshoot from collecting Beatles records. Oh, okay. I named it after a Beatles album yesterday, yesterday and today, today yeah, of course. Exactly. But um, I didn't know who Badfinger was. I heard this song on the radio, Come and Get It, and I loved it. It was great. It's, it was very Beatlesque. Very you know? Beatlesque. Super catchy. Yeah. Everyone knows this song. Everyone's yeah, heard it. And was... you can't, it's a song, the first time you hear it, you, you just go, okay. Huge hit, and they used it in the movie, The Magic Christian with Peter Sellers, and, and Ringo was in that movie too. And it was great. It was a great summer hit in, the, in 1970. I loved it. And I knew they were with the Beatles, and they were on the Beatles label, Apple Records. Right. But I didn't love it enough to go out and buy their album. Oh, you know? okay. And I was 15 at the time. I wasn't really buying a lot of records, right. you know, whatever I could afford. Right. So that was my first exposure to the band. And my second exposure was when they had the big hit, No Matter What. No matter what you are, I will always be with you. From the 
no dice record. Yeah. And I love that song, but I still didn't go out and buy the record. Wow, <laughs> no. you were a tough yeah. customer. Huh? Well, you know, I just, I don't remember what, 1970, I was listening to the Woodstock record, Mountain. You could hear, but also you were listening to Hendrix, 10 years radio after. also, right? And yes. you could hear stuff on the radio. Yes. So, and yeah. FM had just started to come into its own around right. that time, too. And I was yeah. starting to get exposed to lots of great music. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But one day, it was early 72, I, just, I was visiting this guy's house. Tom and his brother, I forgot his brother's name, and they were playing Badfinger straight up. Oh, okay. And they played, uh, the first song was Take It All. Right. With that beautiful piano intro. Yep. And I loved it. I go, and then Baby Blue. When I heard that, I go, oh my God, I have to go out and buy so this you find, Okay, good. You find, All right, so that's why this is that's your album. That's how I though, just, Because yes. you, this is the one you fell in love with them. I fell in love with that record, and right. I, I like... Two days later, I went to buy it. It was this record store on, I still remember, it was called Aquarius Records. It was on Biscayne and 79th Street. And I went and bought the record and played it to death. I just, I couldn't get enough of that record. I loved it so much, I went back and bought the previous record, No Dice. Okay, okay. And I was really, I was especially drawn to the Pete Ham songs. But I didn't really know at the time that, you know. Who was who doing who, who was. Uh, yeah, who, you know, but. Songs like what? Without You, oh, well, on, on the Straight Up record, you know, Baby Blue is like my all-time favorite song. Right. The, the Pete Ham songs on, I think, are Pete's finest work. He does Perfection, incredible song, uh, The Name of the Game, great song. Yep. Of course, Baby Blue, and their biggest hit, Day After Day. And then, of course, the opening track was uh, Take It All. This, but you know what? The whole record's great. Joey Mullen's contributions to Straight Up are incredible, too. I think it's his finest writing. Yeah, 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 and there's great stuff on it by by all of them, by all yeah. three of them. So you got Pete Ham, uh, you got Tom. Tom Evans wrote two songs on Straight Up. He wrote "It's Over" and uh, "Flying." Right, right. Tom yeah. Evans, uh, and then uh, Mike Gibbons. I don't think I think he had a co-write on one of the songs, but no, he wasn't. I like, think so. On that album, he really didn't have much of a contribution. And Joey's songs were great. Right, and Joey Mond was brought in, so he was brought in as a, a, a guitar yeah, he, player, and then Tom moved to bass, right? Right. Is, is that what Joey happened? came in um, after the first album, didn't do anything Magic Christian music. Yeah. Um, or didn't didn't have much success maybe, as an album. Maybe the problem was the name of that. Why would why would they call the album that? <laughs> I know, the same as the movie. <laughs> That's I, weird. I, I don't know. <laughs> Somebody weird. at Apple Records definitely missed it there. Yeah. But well, um, well, the, yeah, the, the original the uh, bass player was Ron Griffiths. Okay. Who, uh, who I'm actually a Facebook friends with on Facebook. Oh, nice. And um, Ron is, uh, he was, he left the band. He wasn't fired or anything. He just right. decided to leave. And they brought in Joey Mullen, which was a great, great decision because Joey really took the band to a different level, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. So, all right. So, like I said, full disclosure, I'm, I'm a little younger than Rich, but it's weird how. A lot you, younger. <laughs> no, but you know how it is when you're not. Of a certain age, like the Beatles were my sister, my older sister. My sister's four years older than me, so the Beatles were her band. Right. She loved the Beatles. So I, I didn't. I, I, at first I was into like Elton John and, and then the Eagles, and then I started liking hard rock. So I got into like Led Zeppelin and Foghat and then Kiss, you know, when, and, and, you know, when I'm young. So, and, and then punk got me so i kind of skipped the beatles you sure, know sure. the beatles just didn't do anything for me just because you know that, that was my sister's band like i said and then obviously as i get older i could appreciate the beatles more but this uh when you listen to this and and so the only songs i've ever heard from badfinger were the hits or maybe some other people covering it right i mean full disclosure you're gonna think this is crazy but the first time i heard baby blue was at the end of uh breaking, of breaking bad, bad. <laughs> 
That's the case with a lot of people. And I said, oh, my God, that's an amazing. And I did like everyone did. And I went to Spotify to listen to it and love it. And everyone did. And at that point, only one member of the band was around anymore, even alive for it. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, Joey. Joey's the last surviving member of the band. Right. So yeah. I, we, I don't know, should we get, before we start listening to it, should we talk about the the tragedy of the band or you want to start listening to some of the music and then we could talk about it? We could talk right. a little bit about the tragedy if you like. Yeah, um, let's do it. All right. Um, so Pete Ham, I guess you have, you have to start with Pete Ham. Yeah. I, I'll never forget. Um, I actually got to see Badfinger with Pete twice. Did you? Yeah. 1972. Wow, you, um, you really are old. I think I Rich know, is old. even older than I thought I was he was. I was 17 <laughs> in 1972. Okay. They opened up for The Doors. The Doors had a new album out. I think it was called Other Voices. Oh, wow. And they were touring behind it, obviously without Jim. Right. You know, and Badfinger was the opening band. And it was bef- this was right before I heard Straight Up. Oh, okay. Right before I heard it, if, if my memory serves me well. Anyway, Badfinger rocked the house. They were incredible. Yep. And then six months later, they came back as a headliner. Uh, in February of 73 and the Chambers Brothers opened and by that time I had all their albums up to the, you know oh, I was completely okay. a fanatic right, right. went up front just loved the set blown away I still remember Pete on the piano doing Name of the Game it's like oh my god oh nice yeah just it was incredible so I did get to see my guys and uh, and of course I bought the the follow up to Straight Up it was called Ass which was released the same week that their Warner Brothers album came out Right, because they let they had prop. They believe it or not, you would think, oh man, these guys are on the label that the, the Beatles label, Apple. That's awesome. It was not awesome, right? Well, they felt that um, they thought they could get to a higher level on a bigger label, right. and they had a manager who was pushing for that. And of course, that manager ended up being a catastrophe. Oh my God! Yeah. Um, so the, they signed a big deal with Warner Brothers, oh, and sorry, Pete wrote "Apple of My Eye." which is one of their good songs, as a kind of like a tribute to leaving the Apple Records label. Right. You know? so, they, so Warner Brothers put this record out. It didn't do that well. It was a real disappointment. Right. And then they had a second album on Warner Brothers called Wish You Were Here, which a lot of people think is their finest record, produced by Chris Thomas. Production is incredible, and it might be my third favorite Badfinger record. It's a great record. But at the time, their manager... Uh, I won't even say his name. I don't want to say his name. Good. That's but good. just a, he he basically took the advance money, which was several hundred thousand dollars, publishing and recording fund, and absconded with it. Wow. And the label, you know, I I, I there's a book that Dan Madovina wrote about Badfinger. It's called Without You. If someone wants to go deep in the weeds to read the truth, the whole story, it's right. an incredible book. I recommend it highly. Uh, it's available now in a PDF. It's been out of print for a long time, but if, if anybody's interested in reading it, they can contact the show and I'll get them the information. Okay. But Dan talked about the, the manager and the label freaked out because they didn't have a manager, basically. And they decided, the Warner Brothers, when they found out about the embezzlement of all the funds and Badfinger didn't have any money in their accounts, they dropped the record. Like the, the month it came out, they pulled it from themselves. They didn't promote it. Right. They dropped Badfinger, and it it led to, an, I guess, an incredible depression from Pete. Right, because they also not only that, but weren't there there were lawsuits, so they they couldn't do anything else. They couldn't really tour, and they couldn't. Rec- well, that was record. afterwards. That was after Pete's 
tragedy. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay, that yeah. that shit came after. So this yeah. was just all that that happened, and just yeah. He, which which you know, I, I don't know. As we go through the record, I'm going to say it it could just be all hindsight now. But it's hard. It's really hard to listen to a band that you already know the tragedy of some uh, people in the band yeah. and not feel it in the songs and feel like you could see that it colored it or maybe this, this absolutely was a, i listen to some of the lyrics person some... and you're thinking wow this is a sensitive person and maybe he was and, and i wonder how much is that us reading it into it from hindsight or how much of that is real you know everything i read about pete ham was that he was just so respected and loved and he was a team player Right. He wasn't out for the glory. He was yeah. like the reluctant rock star. Right, right. Just yeah. wanted to do his music and, and have a career. And So uh, this whole thing devastated him, and then what happened? What did yeah, he do? yeah it devastated them, and they went back 75. to England. Yeah, they went back to England and tried to record another al- album, you know, if Warner Brothers would be interested. And, of course, Warner Brothers, they, they recorded this record, which later came out called Head First, um, but it didn't come out until 20 years later on an independent label. They, they found the, the master tapes, and they, they released it, but it was April of twenty April twenty fourth, nineteen seventy five, when Pete Ham hung himself, because he, he just you know he, he felt that he had no no out you know just right. he, and, he yeah. didn't have a way out he didn't know what to do and you know he, he had didn't have a record label Apple Records had cut out the Beatles catalog, the Badfinger catalog right right they're out of print yeah and this is someone because when they first put out straight up they were like big they were touring a lot right yeah. and they were yeah. people were coming to they see them they toured the states many times like four or five times so he just got that taken out from under him and he could and he was like 27 years old 27 almost 28 and I'll never forget um you know I love Pete Ham so much and I I didn't find out about his passing until like two weeks afterwards. Because uh, right. remember, back in 1975, it, you didn't have t- it like news. Twitter. You'd see it. Yeah, you didn't Twitter have any now, social yeah. media. You, you know, and Pete wasn't like a, a, a star on the level of a Hendrix or a Joplin, right. where it was front page news in all the newspapers. Right. I didn't know anything about it, and I had a subscription to Rolling Stone at the time, and I opened up the new Rolling Stone and. Just perusing through, and I go to the random notes section. You know, they used to have the ran- and oh, it's just in the random notes. And I section. read Badfinger uh, singer Pete Ham hung himself. I was devastated. I, I still remember reading. I couldn't believe it. I was, right. I, you know, very few deaths have affected me in music. Obviously, John Lennon was the one that really hit me the hardest. But Pete is definitely right there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So and then so Tom. Evans, whatever, like how many years later? Uh, 83. Okay, 83. Yeah. He hung himself in his garden. Tommy's tragedy, he, he never recovered from Pete's death. Never. He was, they, they did an album for Electra Records uh, called Airwaves. It was okay. You know, it had a couple right. of good songs. You know, Tommy, the, Tommy, Joey, and Mike. And um, it didn't do that well. And then they did another record on Radio Records called Say No More. And I didn't really care for that record. Yeah. And, and there was some, uh, then, then Tommy wanted to continue touring, and then he had a falling out with Joey. Oh, yeah, Joey. It was an argument with, with was, Joey, yeah, that's right. falling out with yeah. Joey. Yeah. And, and that was, I mean, there's some, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds with, you know, about that whole story, but, but I know there was some acrimony between Joey and Tommy about use of the Badfinger name. Right, right. Which yeah. which happens all the time. Yeah. It happens with bands and things all the time. So it makes it seem like these were very sensitive people that couldn't handle things like this. And you yeah. know, and 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 it, it's a shame. Then I read about Tommy, and I just was blown away. I just, yeah. I just couldn't believe it. 
most tragic story in in my you know in, in my in rock and roll. In, it's got to be up there. Yeah, with two of the the two main. But guys the music in, lives on. It does, and let's uh, yeah, yeah six, we got to get six into six great albums. Yeah, and this know? album, like I said, so this is the first time I ever sat down and listened to a Badfinger album, great. and it's great. It's amazing. I mean, the Beatles. You can't get away from it. The Beatles are all over it. Yes, and because it was partially produced by George Harrison, right? But not all of it. Right. Well, originally it was produced. Well, the straight up story is interesting because. They started recording the follow-up to No Dice. Right. And No Dice had some great critical acclaim to it, and it had the big hit no matter what. Right. And I love that record so much. And um, so the, the follow-up, they used the same producer, Jeff Emmerich, who's you know obviously the Beatles' great engineer. Yeah. And George Harrison was not happy with, uh, and Apple was not happy with what Jeff Emmerich produced. So they started all over, and George Harrison took over production. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. but and but he got bogged down with the Bangladesh concert. So, oh, right, right. So he had, yeah, so yeah he, he had to like take a leave of absence, and he had met Todd Rundgren in New York, and Todd had expressed an interest in producing Badfinger. So that's how the Todd Rundgren connection came, and yes. Todd finished the record. And it's great. I mean, you could, in a way, you could kind of tell the ones George worked on, that Todd worked on, but the whole record sounds great. Yeah, now, Todd mixed every track. They all did, oh, yeah, okay. He did okay. all the, and, 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 and I'm glad great. he did. Uh, uh, Todd Rundgren is amazing. He's I mean, amazing. He, just, he, he should work on everyone's album. Yeah. And the production <laughs> quality of Straight Up, it, you know, it's just, it's crystal yeah, clear. Yeah, it's, it's just great. so great, you know? Yep. All right. So let's get into it. Let's listen to the opening track already. Uh, this is the one you heard at your friend's house that sucked you in immediately. Take it all. by Pete Ham uh, and some from the point of view this is someone who's trying to work things out in a relationship but then finally just sort of giving up saying you want it take it all well I, I read that it's Pete's um, message to Joey oh okay okay and it's the funniest thing because you know growing up when listening to the song I, you know, I thought just the same thing you did it's a yeah. relationship right and then in, in Dan Madovina's book he talks about that oh uh, uh, okay well that makes sense I recommend that book so highly for any but he wants to know more about the Badfinger story. Right. Yeah, I don't need it all. Any day the sun could shine on you, Make makes it silly to make it bad. Take it good, take it glad, take it all. 
Yeah, could be singing it. Yeah, to someone because bands, it it is a relationship. I mean, it's a and usually it really a dysfunctional. Is. Bands it, are, you know, you know. Yeah. I remember when I if if I play that album today and take it all comes on the, on my MP3 player or whatever in my car, I mean, I still get chills the instant that piano starts. Oh yeah, it just can, has such an impact on me. You should have seen Rich. Rich actually had to take the headphones off. He he couldn't take it. He was taking them back too much. He said, "All right, yeah." I I didn't want to get too emotional. No, well, it takes. Yeah, but but that's great. That was a great time in my life. I treasure those years. You know, I was a junior. I was was in twelfth when that came out. I was a senior in high school. I don't know. Just you know, when you're young like that, you have you know such great memories, and it's just a part of my soundtrack of that. Oh yeah, and it was so important then. The music was so important to you. It was such like a a sound a real soundtrack to your life. Right. It really was. Yep. And I, I had a crush on this girl, and we used to play that record. Uh-huh. And, and it takes me back to that, too. <laughs> so the rasp in his voice, very similar to uh, Paul McCartney, I would say, the way Paul McCartney pushes his voice when he like pushes his voice, and he's got that rasp. I hear that, too. And it's like beautiful, though. It's like, I, I love that. That's like one of the best rock and roll things, like someone that has a good voice, but then they push it, and it's got that rasp. That's one of the great things I always loved about Pete is that he could kill you with a, with a ballad and a, soft, a softer tune and then just rock your socks off. Right, right. Which and, Paul, which Paul, yeah, Paul did, did well. too. And, and, and with Wings, you know, when he did Wings and he would do some of the more rockier stuff and just like the, the screaming, you know, and the singing. That's great. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and you see that with this, guy, uh, with this guy too, for sure. All right, so now we got the song that I, that uh, like I said, it, it, so I guess this was the last uh, top 40 hit for them. Uh, I read, I, I just read that mm-hmm. uh, baby blue last top 40 hit mm-hmm. and the uh, Dixie, he, he mentions Dixie in there and, mm-hmm. and that's someone real. That's mm-hmm. a real person. Right? Yeah. That's a girl that he met on tour in the United States. Nice. And had a relationship with. Okay. Yeah. So that makes, so this can I, can, I didn't know that when I first heard the record, but you know, right. Yeah, right. Later on, you learn all the, all the juicy details. Yeah. And like yeah. I was saying before it was played uh, in the end of breaking bad, uh, the last, uh, the last episode and people ran to download it and became a huge thing. I was so happy when I heard about that. I never saw the Breaking Bad show. But oh. I, I did see the clip at the end, though. Okay. I, I had to go see that. You should watch the whole show. It's I, a great I show. I just might, just, to, just so I can feel the impact of the song at the oh end of the god. series. Oh my god, yeah, but it's great. And yeah. I know, some people I know who, who knew Bad Big yeah. Finger and stuff said, oh, perfect. It was like the perfect, any the perfect song. But yeah, me, I just said, wow, that's a great song. How did I never hear that song before? You know, uh, it's part of, you know it's part of this tragic story with Pete and Tommy is... You know, they were at their wits end, I guess, at, you know, at the time. But today, if they had just hung on, their publishing would have made them so Oh, well I know, right? Yeah. They, you know, with Without You and, you know, and Day After Day and now Baby Blue. Oh, yeah. They would have. It's, it's, that's a big part that, you know. Really, tragic. Uh, it's just tragic. Yeah, and it, breaks really my, it breaks my heart. It breaks your heart. Well, let's, yeah. we're going to break his heart a little more. <laughs> we're going to listen to a little bit of Baby Blue.
Yeah, I didn't even get up to it yet, but I'll play a little bit underneath because the song is already this like beautiful rock and roll earworm. And then the bridge, it's got this bridge that just takes it to a whole a different level. Yeah, you can hear Pete's emotion in, in the vocal on the bridge. Yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. And, and you know, one thing I didn't see, I was looking to see, I didn't see it anywhere. Did anyone, like, say or ask, like, why they call, why they're writing a song, Baby Blue, called Baby Blue, when Dylan had a song... Uh, it's all over now. Baby, Baby Blue. Blue. Right. A couple years before that. Right. <laughs> but I didn't see anything, like no reference or if he was an homage to that. Or no, anything. no, I never I saw that either. So. No. It's just maybe no. it was more of an expression then or something. I don't know. Pete probably never even knew that Bob Dylan had that song. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. Right. We'll, never, we'll never know. That we'll never sense. know. Well, speaking of songs uh, with similar titles, we have Money, but it is not the uh, Money song by nope. Barry Gordy that the Beatles did and that everyone else uh, and their mother did. But it's a song by Tom Evans. This is one of the Tom Evans. Yes, Tom wrote uh, "Money" and it's over. Okay, the last song. Yep, and uh, and it's good. It's a good. uh, It's a good song. Uh, Definitely a a different feel than the first two songs. Yes. All right. Let's listen to a little bit of "Money." As someone kind of new to them that I noticed, even the songs that are written or sung and sung by Evans and Molland, if uh, Ham singing backup, you could definitely hear him yes. in there, right? Yes. His voice sticks out even as singing in the backups. And the harmonies together are great, obviously. Uh, Beatles-esque, as we said, in a way. Simple song with a simple message, right? Money does not buy happiness. Exactly. But exactly. man, but lack of it getting screwed out of it can make you miserable. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of what Bad happens. Bad, but so. true. Oh, so sad. But it's so great. At the end, it's got a piano part at the end, and it brings you right into the next song. Yes. Uh, which Flying. is great. I really like this song, Flying. I love uh, it. It's love the it. Evan's song, and now this is the Flying. I think it's a co- co-write. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Evan's and Mollet.
So he had, um, yeah, so uh, like you said, it was a co-write, but he had Malin sing it, right? I think Is they're this, both singing it. They're bo- yeah. Oh, okay, they are both singing yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, there's just, like I said, uh, a lot of these songs on here, they just sound... Like, um, feel like I'm falling. It's all I can do. Lying and dying is lonely, deeper and darker. No way to forgive. No way to believe what you told me. It's like, it's a lot of it's very down, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting on working on the Pete Ham tribute record. You know, there's a couple of the songs that you can, you can sense what Pete was feeling towards the the latter days. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the last songs he wrote, um, for the, the album that came out and after they broke up an album called head first there's a song called keep believing where he's trying to communicate to the rest of the band let's keep doing this you know we've got something special oh, keep right, believing right. yeah and maybe unf- convinced trying to convince himself too yeah. you know oh wow yeah that is sad um yeah and like we said beetle so beetle it, it almost makes my teeth hurt how beetle yeah, specifically the last two songs more than most yeah yeah, yeah. that's a yeah. yeah for sure for sure yeah. uh all right so then we go to i die babe which is a really cool song love and that this song. is a, a kind of a simple love song yeah. but this is you this was one of the ones that was produced you know george harrison had more of a hand in it and yeah. i feel like it, it it shows for sure and, and that's him and that's got to be him playing the lead on it too because it I'm, sounds like george harrison I don't know for sure i just know that that's that's an interesting song it's because joey was more known for some of the rock and roll songs and this is a really cool like acoustic based yeah yeah pop yeah love song i love this song we used to play this in the guitar when we were in high school oh nice all love right it. let's listen to a little bit of i die babe Like I said, I think Joey's contributions to Straight Up are among his best of his career. All the songs that he contributed are so good. Right. And, uh, you know, one thing I was noticing, this song may be a little British, but a lot of their stuff doesn't sound... You know how how the Kinks, when you listen to the Kinks in this era, you know they're a British band and they could only be a British band. You don't feel that as much with this band. I just feel rock and roll. Some of it's just like rock and roll. Like it could be maybe a a band from here, like an American band, a British band band it, it's not so much of a stamp on them i don't think yeah and a lot of uh, a lot of people can consider badfinger like the the grandfathers of power pop music you know oh yeah right right and a oh, lot, yeah, a lot right. of the american bands were influenced you know oh yeah you could hear that and yeah. then yeah because i remember um jellyfish uh sure. my, my band holy terrors one time opened up for jellyfish and they did no matter what no matter what you are i will always 
did cover it no matter oh, that's what. Cool. Yeah, and and I'm sure tons there are tons of uh, yeah. bands, American bands that would cover Badfinger songs. Actually, there's two tribute albums to Badfinger. Uh, there's one that came out about 12 years ago with 20 songs, and then Joey Mullen put out a tribute album about three years ago where uh, it was 10. He had different singers singing Badfinger songs. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great. You have so many great songs to pick from, I'm yes, sure, right? Yes. Because, like, as I'm discovering, it's not just the hits. Like, I knew, I, I knew, like, the three songs from this record that were more like the hits, but there's not really any bad songs on this record. And part of my motivation for doing the Pete Ham tribute was I wanted people to know that Pete Ham was just so much more. He was more than just, than just uh, without you without and you, no yeah. matter what and Baby <laughs> exactly. Blue. I mean, the depth of his songwriting is, you know, I, I hope it reaches people. I really do. Well, we have it right here with Name of the Game, That's well, right. which is uh, uh, another Ham song. And uh, I, I really, I like this one just because, not that I'm uh, the Beatles. Like I said, the Beatles were my thing, but this one doesn't sound to me so much like a Beatles. I don't hear the Beatles stamp so much on this one. Uh, so I kind of uh, appreciate that because you could ignore the comparison. Like I, I didn't have to think about it with this one. Name of the Game was originally scheduled to be the follow-up single for No Matter What. Oh, okay. And there's a there's an alternate version that ended up on one of the as a bonus track on uh, the straight up reissue. Oh, okay, yeah. nice. But uh, yeah, just uh, a piano uh, and and uh, a piano led song, and uh, it's really great though. It's a little yeah. bit of me.
song. And you know, one thing I, I really I appreciate about this song, he waits. That chorus is great, but they wait. It's like over two minutes into the song before you get that chorus. That's he right. takes his time. Right. And Rich, when we were listening to it, Rich was telling me, so what did, this is like 1973, around there February, or so? February 73. Okay. And you're seeing, he's seeing Pete, uh, Pete Ham at the piano yep. doing this song. Yep. They played at Pirates World in Dania. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Down here? Yeah, they, okay. were the, they were the headline band, and the Chambers Brothers opened up, and they were great, too. Yeah, and Chambers Brothers. That's awesome. Yeah, if I had to rank, like, 10 concerts that have been to in my life, that are, that's one of them. Oh, one of the best. man, that's great. So, yeah, already here, you could tell, it sounds like he's already getting disillusioned about music business. About the yeah, music business. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a, how true is it that the sensitive souls, a lot of the sensitive souls that love to make music aren't built for the music business, which is brutal. That's true. And in fact, I've known a couple of artists, uh, you know, locally. We know. Yeah. I was just yeah. going to say, yeah. we know people. Some, yes. great, some great artists. Too. Some great artists yeah. that just weren't. Yeah, because it, it's horrible. You have to have this this wall or you got to have the incredibly thick skin to be. And not everyone has that. Right. Well, you know, one one good thing about the, the way the industry has changed is, you know, a lot of bands and artists used to like they tried to strive for the brass ring, which was the record deal. Right. Yeah. It was all about the record deal, you right. know. But now I think the artists that are making music, you know, they're doing it because that's what they do. You know, they're musicians, they're right. artists, and they love what they're doing. And it's not about, oh, we got to get rec- assigned or anything like no, that. No, because they could do it. They could put it out themselves. Exactly. And they could get it out there and they could go out and play and people could see them and start. And yeah, you don't need it. So you, you're not so much the slave to the to the big uh, labels, which yeah. is great, which is the thing that uh, destroyed some people. Now, the the other side of that is that there's so much music out there. There's so much, and, exactly. and it's yeah. hard to really. <laughs> That's my pet peeve. There's yeah. too much. There's, there's way too much music. So Everyone, much music. just a lesson. You don't all have to put out your music. So <laughs> just make it in your room, and don't you don't have to put it all out there. <laughs> I always love when I discover something for the first time that just out of the blue. And, yeah, yeah. And but you have to wade through a lot of stuff. Yes, sometimes. you do. <laughs> yes, I, I rely on friends for a lot of tips. I really do. All right, so this next one, Suitcase, this is side two. So Great we're going song, to side two yeah, now. Yeah. Great song, a different feel, totally different feel, right? Jo- um, Joey rocking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, definitely uh, sort of the life of a touring musician yeah. I get in this one. There's a great clip on YouTube of Badfinger uh, doing some songs from Straight Up, and, and uh, Suitcase is one of them. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right, let's listen to a little bit of Suitcase. <laughs> Great. Um, so you got Claus Vorman on electric piano. Yes, on I saw that. Yes. Yes. And Leon Russell is credited guitar. So I'm wondering if that's him doing that slide stuff. Leon, because Leon. I Russell, know Leon's on the album. Was that the song he's on? Yeah. Well, guitar. He plays yeah. piano on it on, on another song, but yeah. on this one he's credited with guitar. So I'm thinking, I wonder if that's him or maybe he's just playing rhythm. Someone's playing some really yeah. sweet slide guitar on that one, though. 
Um, yeah, it's nice, a nice, uh, different feel. And did you, so at this point, you're a kid, you have this record. You're not, uh, you said before, you're not paying so much attention about who's doing what, right? You have some songs that you like more, but probably yeah. later on you realized that you were really drawn to ham songs. Well, I knew right away from that album that it was Pete's oh, songs okay. that drew me okay. in. And then when I went back and bought the previous record, No Dice, right? it was Pete's songs again. It just blew me away. That, right. you know, I, I love the whole record, but it was... I realized very quickly that I was drawn to Pete and, yeah. his, and his writing and his voice, his musicianship, everything about him. Right. But this next one, Sweet Tuesday Morning, Molland, is Joey. a great song. Yeah, I'm telling you, Joey's contributions to Straight Up Joey are Molland, in, yeah. incredible. And some great, uh, Evan's playing 12-string yeah. guitar in this. And this is one of my favorite songs on the record, Sweet Tuesday Morning. It's really pretty, and it's about, it's, it has kind of a haunting quality, because yes. I think it's about loss, right? And uh, yeah, very haunting. Feature. I love this song so much. I, my, nice. This might be my favorite song that Joey Mullen ever wrote. Nice. Yes. All right, let's listen to Sweet Tuesday Morning. Sweet Tuesday morning came on your smile. All of my fears they have left. All around astound me Seen the breaking of the souvenir Me in the brightness I can feel Surrounding It's the first time I've Oh yeah, what a what a great song! Oh my god, amazing! Uh, and all right, one thing I want to ask you: uh, like, how much when you were when you were a kid? Uh, how much attention did you pay to lyrics, like the lyrics? You know, something. It was usually the last thing I was drawn to. It was always about the melody, the vocal right, right. that sucked me in, and yeah. the lyrics were always a, bon- a bonus for me. You <laughs> okay. know, seriously, I, I wasn't like. Some people are totally drawn to lyrics before would, they would grab it and make yeah. sure they had lyrics on it and just yeah yeah especially right. the Dylan fans you know yeah that's true but yeah, yeah. everyone's different and a yeah. lot of people I talk to they're not they just sort of get it. it it still gets in there it always gets in there and eventually you listen to it over and over again you're gonna yeah. know the lyrics and as time you know as time goes on and and you spend more time with the record you know obviously you start thinking about the lyrics a little bit more but that's yeah. not the initial attraction to me. Because I, I was just wondering about this one line he says in here that's interesting when he goes, I've been to all uh, to places all around, astound me, seen the breaking of the souvenir. Not yeah. not the souvenirs, the souvenir, the yeah. breaking of the souvenir. What is he talking about? I don't about? know. If I, ever meet, if I ever meet Joey, I will ask him. I, I <laughs> yeah. promise. Because it's funny. Uh, if you go online, you could find these sites where people try and do what we're doing. Uh, decipher songs and someone posited that which i have no idea but they said the beatles he was referring to the beatles as as a souvenir and i said that sounds cool but i don't know i can't i can't put that together but maybe you know who knows but i was just wondering like i I was telling you earlier uh the song take it all i didn't realize what it was about until like 
25 years oh, right, after you I read heard in the book. Yeah, yeah, I read Dan's book. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, uh, even artists who write songs will tell you this. It's whatever you want to make it. Absolutely. Whatever it means to Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah. Music yeah. is always so personal. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. All right. So now we get uh, day after day. Obviously, George Harrison all over this one. Yes. So this was their highest charting song here in mm-hmm. America. And Leon Russell. This is the one Leon Russell's playing piano on. And uh, yeah, on the surface, it's just like this standard lost love song you know but well let's listen to it okay. and then i want to discuss i want to discuss the lyrics in this one a little bit let's okay. do a little of day okay. after day By the way, when the songs, we, which we shouldn't be doing, Rich, the idea is we're supposed to sit and listen to it and, and reflect on it, but we're just chatting in between the songs. But you don't, you guys don't need to know that. Maybe I'll even take that out. All right. Uh, so like I said, on the surface, it's just like this uh, lost love song. But the lyrics like, looking out from my lonely room, and then he changes it to lonely gloom. Day after day, it sounds like uh, depression. Yes. Like someone who's depressed. Yes, I always felt that. Right? Yeah, I always felt that. Ugh. Yeah, and it's so sad because you need, there was probably, they, maybe they needed just one person to recognize that and say, hey, you know, maybe you should talk to someone or do this, but no one did that then, right? They just gave him drugs. Here, take this. Yeah. At the time, the right kind of drugs. Yeah. When, I, when I, you know, I didn't understand, you know, what Pete was going through until years later. You right, know? right, right. And uh, so when you listen to the record for the first song, it's just, you know, a gloomy love tune or something. Yeah, you exactly, know? exactly. But it takes later, this whole. Yeah. Yeah, heaviness. It has a heaviness. Pete wrote this one song called No More, which was never recorded by Badfinger. It's just released on a Demos album. And you can hear the lyrics and you can hear the heartbreak in the lyrics. Yeah. And we actually uh, had, we have it on our tribute album. Oh, okay, nice. And it's the first song on the whole album. Oh, well, this is great. I'm excited for this tribute. I'm sure everyone listening is excited. All right, so now we get uh, Moland, another Moland song. Sometimes another Beatles-y, super Beatles-y one, this one, right? Oh, sometimes. Another yeah. great great rocker. I love it. <laughs> but love great, it. yeah. That being said, it's yeah. uh, the rockingest, maybe one of the rockingest ones it on is. the record. It is. And uh, yeah, it's great. We were saying, I don't think, I don't know if we were saying in between, but you were saying you love the fact that he's got all these different, uh, you know, moods on 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 his songs absolutely on the record, right? yeah joey's contributions on straight up made the record 
took it to another level. Right. I, I really, right. I really sure. believe that. For sure. All right. Let's listen to a little bit of sometimes. Guitar, those guitars and all right. So Rich, me and Rich, he was just saying about the the sound of the record, the production. So what were you saying about Todd Rundgren? I felt that Todd coming to this project was so crucial to it being so successful. I really do. Because if you listen to the previous record, No Dice, which I love, don't get me wrong, but the mix and the production is a little rawer and uh, and, and it's great, don't get me wrong. But straight up, they, I felt that Todd um, perfected it. Yeah. To a point where it was more uh, more more um it was a cleaner sound but yet it would still rock and still the energy that's the thing i think he's he's a craftsman he's such a craftsman that yeah. he could make something sound like perfect and but but not slick perfect it still exactly. has that it still has that that rock and roll vibe to it but the best sound you can for that the clarity of the instrumentation is right so sometimes smart. rawness you take away you lose some of that yes. but he manages to keep it and you still have the, the feel. Even when even records when he made because he I think his big his breakout record was a little bit after this, and he played almost everything on it. But it still sounds like a, a band playing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and that's just a sign I'm, of a. Producer. I'm not like a huge Todd Runger fan. I'm not that familiar with his work. You know, I know some of the you know, essential hits and stuff, but I felt he brought something to this project that wouldn't have been there if it was another producer. Right. You know, I really do. And his yeah. mixing, he mixed the entire record, and I just love his mixing the way he pans the instruments and ah oh, i can't say enough about the record yep it's good stuff all right so we get uh the ham song perfection and this yes. is another one now yes that's got the heaviness that i don't know and the sadness that i don't know if i'm reading more into it because you know his tragic story mm. or if it's baked into it already i don't know but it's still uh, uh it's I beautiful don't, i don't know either but i love this song and it's, yeah it's beautiful it's a, Let's yeah. listen to a little bit of perfection Just power changing hands 
So listen to my song Successful conversations Yeah, so um, really nice, a different sound. Again, a little bit of a different sound. The record definitely has its like ebbs and flows through it as far as the the sound. And then the uh, the chorus, once again in this one, is just so great. Oh, I love it. You know, it's interesting. There, uh, If you bought the, the straight-up CD reissue, there's uh, it has the original versions uh, that Jeff Emmerich produced and engineered of Perfection, Name of the Game, and they're really different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're cool to listen to, but... You can tell when Todd Rundgren got involved, you know, he really brought the best out of them. It took it to a whole different level. Absolutely. Which is what a produ- that's what a producer is yes. supposed to do, right? Exactly. <laughs> so he, he did his job. I wonder what the record would have sounded like if George Harrison would have finished it, you know? Oh, right, right, I right, wonder. right. Yeah. All right. So we get to the last track on there. This is great because I feel like they put this song, they was written to be the last song on an album. Yeah. A great song by Tommy Evans. And from what I understand, he wrote this... Um, Basically, as his uh, farewell for a tour. Oh, right, because yeah. that's what it sounds like. Yeah. It sounds like it sounds like Back a little, my bags going away. Right, and it's yeah. got the it's got the piano and the guitars in it, and these great backing vocals. Ham yeah. again, Ham with the backing vocals is great. I really wish Pete had written this one because I would have loved to have this on the tribute. No. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. great great just song. the fact that he's singing on yeah. it was, isn't enough but yeah, yeah like i said it's a great uh it's a great closer for an album yeah. and yeah you could tell it was written to be like a closer a farewell yeah. to everyone all yeah. right let's listen to a little it's over So that's the album. That's the album that got Richie Loa high. I'm sure there were hundreds of albums that did, but this is this is up there, right? Um, it's up there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it has to be. Up now, there. if someone asked me if I could only listen to one album, this would be my album. It would be. It would be my, over a Beatles album, over a Dylan, right? Over it's it's my favorite album of all time. 
and it's personal, you know, it's, it's like, it takes you back to a place in your life that you treasure and not to mention, you know, you're drawn to the songs. It's without a question, my all time favorite record. Right. All right. So we have uh YNT music and you got the tri- tribute that's coming out. So when do we have, do you have a for sure release date for yes, it? Yes. January 20th. It's a double CD. We have 34 artists doing only Pete Ham songs. Now, because Pete, basically, what my when it's when the project started, I was just going to have like a twelve to fourteen song single CD. Right, right. And I picked the songs, but as it evolved, and the response from the artists who I reached out to and and who heard about the project was really heartwarming. It you know it blew me away how excited people were to be a part of the record. So eventually, it became a double record, and then I decided, you know what, I'm going to have someone record every single Pete Ham song that was released by Badfinger. So there's 31 songs that Pete wrote that were recorded and released by Badfinger on official releases. Right. And then there's two songs that were only released as demos. About 20 years ago, Ryko Disc released a, an album called uh, Seven Park, Seventh Park Avenue, which is these home demos that, were, that Pete recorded on like an old two-track, and they were found, and in, in, uh, his family had them. And Dan Matavina, who wrote the book, worked out a deal with Ryko, and they put two volumes of Pete Ham acoustic demos. Oh, wow. They're fantastic. You know, so, you know it's, some of them are songs that were released by Badfinger, but there's a couple that were not released. And we have two of those on the tribute. One, um, No More, and by Mary Lee Cortez, produced by Eric Amble. And that's the lead track on the whole album. Nice. And then we had uh, Tobin Sprout from Guided by Voices. Oh, that's awesome. Recorded Dear Father, another song that Badfinger never recorded, but Pete wrote it and released it on this Ryko disc album. Oh, great. So we have two unreleased demos. And then there was a third song that was never properly released. Uh, Pete wrote this song called Piano Red. And um, he wrote it after going to the, a club in Atlanta in the underground. And he saw this guy, it was um, Dr. Feelgood, what's his name? Uh, he saw him playing on the piano, was blown away. He went home and wrote a song. Oh, nice. Yeah, and, and they never properly recorded it, but they demoed it. And that demo was released as a bonus track on the reissue for the album called Ass. Okay. And it's really cool. It's a bluesy tune. And that was the third track that, you know, that people will be surprised to hear that's going to be on this tribute. And we got Albert Castiglia yeah, with great. Mandy Mary Lane singing on it. Oh, and it's, it's great. So we have 34 different artists and every single song that Pete wrote, including four that were co-written with Tommy, which were Without You. There's four songs he wrote with Tommy, uh, Carry On Till Tomorrow, which is really Tommy mainly writing that one, but Pete wrote the chorus and some of the lyrics. So we, so we have 34 different artists. We got the Speaker Wars, a band that Stan Lynch from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers founded with John, with John Christopher Davis in Texas. And they, um, a friend of mine reached out to Stan Lynch and asked him if he would be interested in doing it. And he was all in. He was I mean, all he, in. he emailed, he so emailed finding, me. Yes, yeah, so you're finding all these people that like, oh, wait, Pete Ham, yeah. someone's doing a Pete Ham tribute? Yeah. And Stan I'm was in. so gracious. He emailed me, said, man, I've been reading about Badfinger. I love Badfinger. I'd love to do it. So they picked No Matter What. Oh, nice. And they did this great pop version. Really great. And we might put it out as a single next year. And I got an email from Stan. He says, you know, I'm working on this different arrangement for the song. Uh, you know, And it's going to be like this world music version with a sitar. And I go, really? And he goes, yeah. He says, you can, you know, you, you don't have to use it. If you, you know, you can have two versions to choose from. Pick right. whichever one you want. And I go, okay, can't wait to hear it. Yeah. So he emails me the track. You I want li- both, right? I listen to it. 
30 seconds into it, 60 seconds into the song, I, I text him back. I go, oh my God, it's incredible. I want to use both. Exactly. So we have No Matter What by Speaker Wars with this beautiful Indian female vocalist, Dr. Susmita Dada. She does the vocal on it. Nice. With a sitar intro. It's amazing. And then we have the pop version on the second disc. Oh, great. That's great. See, that's, that's so awesome. This is what I mean. Just your love. I mean, it's so great you're putting this out, but you can tell it's all just comes from your heart. It's like you're, this must make you so happy, right? And, you know what? It's the honor of my lifetime to have assembled this group of musicians to work on this record. It really is. I want to tell you the real quick story of uh, how I reached out to Amy Allison. Don't know if you know who she is. I do not. Amy Allison, um, she's the daughter of the legendary Mose Allison, iconic blues artist okay. who wrote Young Man Blues and who did on um, uh, Live oh, yeah. at Leeds. Mose Allison. Yeah, Mose Allison. So I didn't know about Amy Allison until I read an article by Elvis Costello. He wrote this article in Variety magazine. There's 500 essential albums of his life. And like I was saying, Elvis is a real musicologist. And I'm reading the list and, you know, going through it and like, wow, we got to check out this, got to check out that. And he picks, he writes about Amy Allison, about an album she did called The Model in Years. And so I said, oh, I want to check her out. I never heard of her. And I go on YouTube and I download, I listen to one song within 30 seconds. I'm in love with this artist. Yeah. <laughs> within 30 right. seconds. She has a very unique voice. So I went and bought a couple of her albums. And this is years ago before I even thought about the Pete Ham Project. Oh, okay. And so when I'm working on the record, I just thinking to myself, God, I wonder if I'd love to have Amy Allison on this record. Yeah. She's so unique. She's happened to be on Facebook. So I just. That's great. That, that's the one good thing. You know, uh, we all say it's so terrible, social media, but that's the one good I thing about it. I couldn't believe it. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Let me, let, me sh- let me shoot her a message. You know, I'm, sh- I'm sure she won't be interested or won't no, even respond. Especially seeing your, uh, your pic, your uh, profile picture. Like, who is this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I reach out to her and I told her how, you know, I'm a huge fan of hers, how I discovered her, you know, when Elvis wrote about her. And yeah. I have three of her records. And I told her about doing this project. And, you know, if you would consider doing a song, I'd be tremendously honored. And she wrote me back. I couldn't believe it. And she says... You know, I can't believe this. I was just listening to Badfinger yesterday. Nice. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. And she, and she goes, I'd love to be a part of it. And I was like, Lord, I couldn't believe it. Look at you. <laughs> and uh, so she did Apple of My Eye, and it's the lead track on the second disc. It's amazing. So great. It's just, just uh, a thrill. That's great. And then the real thrill for me, just on top of that, was when I was 15, I grew up, I, lo- I fell in love with Melanie. You know who Melanie is? <laughs> yes. I, she was like the first female singer-songwriter I bought oh, okay. a record of. Okay. I was 15 years old. I bought one of her records, and I had a crush on her, of course. You're a 15-year-old kid. Right. And I bought everything she did for years. I have, I have this huge collection of hers. So I was like, a friend of mine, Lee Zimmerman, was doing an interview for a magazine, and he texted me. He goes, hey, Rich, guess who I'm talking to? Because he knows I'm a huge Melanie right. fanatic. He goes, I'm talking to Melanie. I go, oh, my God, no way. Tell her you have a friend who's a huge fan. And I go, and... As an afterthought, ask her if she'd be interested in being on our Pete Ham tribute record. Right. <laughs> shameless. You're so shameless. I, I, I didn't expect anything. You know, it's just like a fluke. You know, so I get a 10, 15 minutes later or 20 minutes later, I get a phone call from Lee. He goes, Rich, Melanie wants to talk to you. And she's very interested. And, you know, I go, really? <laughs> so I call her up and I talk to her for 45 minutes. And I mean, I couldn't believe it, you know. Yeah, when you're a kid and you and you and you, you know, admire an artist, you never think years down the road you're going to be working with them on a yeah. project. So she was all in, and she did a great version. She did without you. 
that's great. And, Look at you, man. That is awesome. She picked, I sent her a list of like two or three songs. That's the one she picked. All right. So, all right. So, the, by the time this comes out, uh, everyone can go to ytmusiconline.com. Right? Yes, yes. That's the best place. And then you'll see it. Yeah, that's great. That's really exciting. Uh, so, so glad to have you on. Why Thank you, you, Rob. It's a done pleasure. It sooner, that's but, all right. Uh, better like they say, good things are worth waiting for. Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah. All right. Don't forget, everyone, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. It's at that record got me high. Also, that Facebook group got me high is fun. If you want to see my dumb memes that I put on there at Twitter, it's at TRGMH Podcast. You can email me at trgmh33 at gmail.com. And most important, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh. Become a patron if you'd like. I'd really appreciate it. Rich, this was awesome. I loved it. Thank you so much I for having your, me. Your, your love of music and your love of this album just permeated my whole house. Awesome, man. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So now you're going to have to listen to some more Badfinger songs. Oh, no, I will yeah. for sure. 100%. All right, thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you all next week. I'm Rob Alba. We're out of here.